Don't forget to check out our website, HockeyHurts.com, and check us out on Twitter, at Hockey underscore Hertz. Additionally, you can follow Cameron Walsh, at Walshy66, and Ryan Wilson, at Gunner Stahl. Do you enjoy the content that we provide at Hockey Hertz? Do you do any holiday shopping on Amazon.com? Then click on the Amazon banners on our Hockey Hertz website before making any of your Amazon purchases. We get a kickback, you get to buy something that you like, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. It's like the Patrick Hornquist, James Neal trade. It's a win-win. Welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for Friday, November 21st of 2014. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And this evening, we are going to be talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins and only the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, if you want to get out, now's your time. Um, Very good idea. Yeah. Um, lots going on with the Penguins. There, A lot of folks consider them the... Um, number one team in the NHL right now, and rightfully so. They're a top three possession team. Goaltending has been pretty solid all year. Uh, number one power play, and I believe a top five penalty kill. So a lot of good things for them. Um, also in the news, uh, unfortunately, it seems to be old hat with the Penguins. It, another blood-related issue, um, keeping a Penguins player out long-term with Pascal Dupuis. Uh, blood clot, and uh, just tons of potential lineup tweaks and trades and stuff that we can get into talking about that. So lots to talk about. And considering that we're both Penguins fans and we've never, we've tried our hardest to avoid being Penguin-centric, um, I was actually my call. I just said to Gunnar, I think I'm going to do a, a Penguins podcast. And he goes, all right, I'll jump in and I'll do that. So we'll do a we'll do our traditional league wide on um on well Sunday US time Monday my time and um and we'll get a little bit more a little bit more out there for everyone else but um I just felt like I wanted to do a, a penguin centric one as Gunnar said there's been a lot that's happened uh, for the club at the start of the year and particularly considering now that Pascal Dupuis I'd consider out for the year they you know he can potentially come back April May but. I think the Penguins would be crazy to, to lob him into the lineup back then. So I have a feeling his season's done. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle the the loss of a, a player that can uh, run up and down the lineup. So we'll see how it all goes. 
they um they didn't handle it well last year. No, that and that's that's probably the that's probably the big thing for them. Um, big thing for them at the moment is exactly that. Is, is trying to work out how to fill that roster hole, and and they've had two games minus Dupuy. They won one four zip. I think that's more an indication of the team they played against uh, with the four zip one, and then they played a team that consistently gives them fits and they struggled. So we'll see how it measures up. Now, hypothetically, pretending that Dupuy didn't have this blood clot issue, I was always of the belief that the Penguins' optimal lineup would have him not in the top six and on the third line. That's just a personal preference of mine, how I would want to slot things. But his value to the Penguins is the fact that, you know, you can talk about guys that can jump up for short stretches and play top six roles, like a Lee Stepniak um, kind of guy. Yep. But Dupuy can play top six for the long term. He can do it. I, I always wanted them to maybe find a better option to do it. But he can legitimately do it. And now they that's, don't have that guy that can slide that off, back and forth. Yeah. And that's always been it's always been the argument for slash against Dupuy is that he can hold a top six position. It just happens to be that the top six position he holds is on the top line next to Sidney Crosby. So he gets highlighted as a weak link in the team. But to be honest, there's quite a lot of teams, and a couple of them are Stanley Cup contenders, that would be more than happy to have him as their top six option. Um, it's just that for the Penguins to be, for me, legitimate cup contenders, the roster would fill out to a point where he just slots down to his natural third-line position, where he everything that he provides the top line is provided on the third line, and that's sort of where it comes from. And the Penguins have now lost that option. That That's the thing, like... It, Everyone sort of assumed that the Penguins would go out and, and try and bolster their depth by adding from the top end and having the trickle-down effect. Well, they might bolster their top their top end skill set. There's no trickle-down now. Yes, all they, the other yeah, players, that's a great point. All the other players that are going to trickle down are going to trickle down to spots that they were already filtered in for anyway. They were already, you know, you're not, you don't want Blake Como playing top-line minutes and you... You don't want Nick Spalling playing. Hey, now they both scored tonight. We'll ignore that. <laughs> hey, look, I tweeted you, and I just, I just laughed when Spalling scored after what you pointed out to me, and I get frustrated every time I see him on the ice now. But, but you know, the point still stands. The Penguins' depth has always been their biggest issue in regards to having four lines that can contribute and. Their success so far this year has been the fact that their top nine has been extremely consistent. I actually thought for the first half of the game against the the Islanders tonight, um, their best line was was their third line until Malcolm decided to take over the game. But I I think that that line of Downey, um, Suter and Bennett was fantastic. They were the one line that that kept the puck in the – tell you what, Bennett doesn't get enough credit for his ability – to take the puck away. He's, his hockey sense is amazing. You're going to get me on a Bo Bennett rant? 
Well, I might as well start you off now. If we get it out of the way now, it's not going to happen later. This kid is awesome. <laughs> I didn't think you'd jump into it quite like that, but yes, I agree. Um, <laughs> obviously, injuries. I understand that. But a lot of them have been fluky, freaky. Like his last one that kept him out at the beginning of this year, he got caught in a rut in crappy ice and twisted his knee. As if, like, I'm supposed to believe he's... You know, that's on him. I don't... I refuse to believe that, so... If, if someone's fragile, then they're fragile. It's just how it is. You know, I think Martin Havlat's a prime example of that. He's fragile. I love Martin Havlat when he's fit and healthy, but he cannot stay on the ice. Well... And it affects what he can provide for whoever he plays for. I agree the fragile part for his wrist, because he's had a few broken wrists, but, like, that knee thing, I, I don't think that means... The other parts of his body are fragile. I, I just think that's a fluke. But he's back now, and... That's all that matters right now, is the fact that he's his, on the ice. Or just the other problems when he gets off the ice again, if it happens. His creativity is top-notch. His hands... I love I love his hands because they're unique. You, he's a California boy, and I'm sure he played some roller hockey, and you can kind of see a little bit of that when he's handling the puck. And he has. How does, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Roll, roll it back for a guy that. How does roller hockey differ? Is it because it's a ball and a puck? Is that the difference? How it's a, does it differ? It's a puck, but it's a lot lighter, so you can um, get a little bit more crafty with it, a little quicker with your moves. Okay. So if you have that baseline, and then you start training yourself with a heavier puck, but you already have that prior skill set. Got. I know. It makes sense. I get it. Yeah. Um, I He's been able to kind of translate that and have the puck on a string as if it were roller hockey. Um, yep. At least that's how I am like to, to view it. But he sees the ice awesome. He's a great passer. He has all the touch in the world with, with kind of his mini saucer passes and just how he puts it into small spaces for his teammates to skate into. Uh, I think he skates well. And um, he's physical. He doesn't get enough credit for that because of the injury thing, but he gets his nose dirty in there and he wins battles along the wall. He shields the puck off. He's a good that's, puck protector. And that's actually a really, really good point. In he's physical. People sort of seem to use the word physical as in you've got to go in there and absolutely flatten a guy. But he gets into the boards and he rubs up and he gets low and really pushes guys off the puck and does a lot of hard work on those boards. That's hard work. There is a lot of lactic acid that gets built up on those boards when you do that you stuff. You ain't kidding. And you play. I don't. I just know that purely from a physiological point of view. You do it yourself. So, My I, lactic I, acid builds up a lot quicker these days. It could be one of the reasons why we're doing this and, and, and we're not out there on, on the ice and the fact that we're both over 30. Um, it's, it's funny how it's one of those things where the guy that the, guy that the Penguins bought in to be physical, Robert Bertuzzo stepped in tonight, and there were three or four times that he went to be physical, quote unquote, played himself out of position. And, and you get there, and, and it's one of those things where credit credit the coaching staff for making the change and bringing someone else new into the lineup for a lineup that didn't need to be changed at all. When you think about it, it's like. There was a force change, you know, but that had happened in the Montreal game. There was no need to make a change to that roster. But Johnson got there, made a change at home, brought in Bortuzzo with Scuderi. We'll go over the entire problem with that later on. Um, 
and and he got to have a look and see how things happen in an environment that he wanted to turn into a playoff environment. So he got a, he got at least a, a feel for what happens. Now the big thing for me is hopefully he will make changes according to what he saw in this game. And, and it'll say that he's trying to say that he learned. It's one of the complaints that every Penguins fan had with Bilesmer is that he played every single game to win, not learn. And thus far, Johnson looks like he's wanting to learn. I don't disagree with that premise. I, I just don't know why Dupre seems to be the guy that has to take the back seat to this. Well, you and I both would have said that um, Scuderi should have been the guy that sat. They should have played the two young ones. And, and I have a feeling that it's the only reason that Scuderi stayed in is that he's the experienced guy and they want to have the experienced guy with the young guy. So they're going to rotate the two young guys with the old hat when really they should have the young puck mover with the young physical player and, and run them together. Well, here's what Simone Dupre has done this year, playing with Rob Scuderi. Bailed him out time and time again because from yep. what I see, yep. when Rob Scuderi has a little bit of time and space and he's in that left corner behind his net at the well, goal he's line, home. He's home. instead of putting the puck up like high off the glass, which is what he kind of used to do a lot, he he's, he's at least making the attempt to not just throw the puck away. But what he's doing is he's just uh, kissing the puck off the 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 wall behind the net and giving it to Dupre with a guy already on him and Dupre more times Dupre's than not has to make some kind of spin move and, and he then has to chip it off the glass. So even though Scuderi's not doing it as much anymore, his partner is forced into it because he keeps forcing passes to him. And it's one of the things that I've found amusing when you hear a lot of people go, you know, oh, Dupre, he's turning it over here and there and all this stuff. You go, no, 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 no. But if you have a look at why he's in that position, he's got it because Scuderi has, has flipped the puck to him when he's under pressure. And it's it's funny because it happened in this game as well. You know, it's almost like Scuderi's being given given that instruction, give it to the give it to the other player and let him because you know they know Scuderi's skill set, which is fine. It, it's perfect. You want him to play within within his skill set. What you don't want to do, though, is then force the puck to a player that has the exact same skill set and expect him to do something more. And, and that's the problem. You, you've got two players that are exactly the same in regards to what they can do when they've got the puck on their stick. And, and that's, I, I think, to be honest, I, is, I, miss, I actually missed three of the goals that the Islanders scored tonight. As far as I can tell, it's one of the reasons that they lost the game is – the bottom two of the defensive pairing can't get the puck out of the zone. It took it took the club 20 minutes to work out how to adjust to that. And from from what I can from what I saw from the, the you know the 40 minutes beyond, the Penguins adjusted extremely well. They were lucky to even get a point out of that game. Really, mm-hmm. well, they managed to. The first goal is on Flurry only. It was a bad angle wrist shot, beat beat short side. There's not much else to say by on that one. Matt Martin's not. Highly skilled uh, no. forward, so Martin should not be scoring. Very nice that's- shot. He got a lot on it, but can't can't have that go in. And um, second goal was um, Nikolai Kuleman walked Martin in Latang, so the bottom pairing wasn't out there for that one. It was well, a nice, nice play by Kuleman. 
So, should Fleury have had the shot or not? Uh, I, I, it's not the kind of shot I'd put on the goalie. There you go. That's fine. Goal three though, because I, I missed all three of the. I missed all three of them. Kind of a screenish, tipish kind of um, cluster. Uh, you'd like your goalie to be up at the top of the paint, maybe a little bit more, so that when the tip goes at the top of the paint, you're you're a little it bit it bumps into you instead of if you're deeper, it maybe go over you or around you. That's not like Fleury to be deep in his net, though. To be honest, he's usually on top of the crease. Sometimes his positioning's not a strong suit, but so you get past. You get past that first period, and, and to be honest, I liked what I saw from the Penguins for the next 40 minutes. They absolutely dominated that second period. Yes, they did. second period was very good. And it, it's, I ended up watching the Penguins' coverage, which was a mistake. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the thing, Islanders' the thing one's with, not terribly better. That's why I went to the Penguins' one. Um, and it was, it was really funny how the, the commentators are there going, Johnson looks shaky. He looks shaky. The Penguins just got to get on him. And also, the Penguins absolutely dominated the Islanders for that 20 minutes. He actually did a reasonably good job of keeping the Islanders in front in, in that in that second period. The Islanders struggled to get possession when they did. They were just trying to get it out of their out of their defensive zone. It, it's a prime example of how pushing possession really, really does help. Like I know a lot of people don't like. Um, advanced stats there's still a lot of people that are trying to get over that hurdle um but that's a prime example of how the penguins managed to win themselves a point by absolutely dominating possession in that second period um it, that's probably the first game this year and we've what is it we're 20 games in there or 19 games into the penguin season close um, to close enough yeah it's it's the first time i've particularly noticed um a game completely change from the fact that Penguins just owned possession in a period. Because usually they've owned it in the first period and it's just carried on. They're, they they're 18 ter- games in. Yeah, they were terrible that first period from, from what I can from what I can gather. And, well, if you'd like uh, the stats for it by period, Penguins Fenwick 4% in the first period, 31.03%. Not very good. Uh, and it showed from the score. They were still in a one-goal game. The Islanders should be a little upset about that. They put it in three goals, dominating the period, and the Penguins still scored two. So you lay lay that on the fact that they played their backup? I don't think he played well tonight, but um, Como's goal went off a skate in front. That's you know he he treated that behind the net like Fleury does terribly. It's a tough one. I, that's that's a random act. And that goes back to my argument. Some, most times it doesn't matter who's in the net. Some of these goals are going in no matter what. Hang on. We just said we, said we weren't going to discuss. No, I'm just, I'm just saying. You know you know what I mean, though? Like, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm, look, you know Fleur is my favorite player, and I'm always going to try and defend him. But goalie stuff in general, I think you're right. Um, it's, it's random stuff beats... Lundqvist, and I consider him the best goalie going around. You can argue whether he is or he isn't, but he's in the top three. And, and random stuff beats him. So you get there and go, why do you want to pay that much money for uh, a position that's random? There are exceptions, and I would consider your example of Lundqvist one of them. But, um, but to your earlier point, 
the Penguins' second period, they're at 63.64%. Wow, that's a completely yikes. Okay, so that, and I noticed, I noticed that without even looking at the numbers. I use you as, you're my calculator. I'll get there and I'll watch this stuff and then we'll discuss it. You give me the numbers and it's like, okay, so I did see that. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't look at these numbers during the game. No, you're looking at them now for me though. I'm not looking at them. Um, but the third period, um, back down to 32%. Islanders played well in the third. You're, you're kidding me. The Islanders dominated it that much. Yeah. Jeez, the Penguins should be happy they got out of that game at the point. I agree. Extremely happy. And I'll, yeah, write, it'll and be I'll really... write that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it will be really interesting for me. But that's a good um, sign. It is, no, it is. it is. It'll be interesting for me tomorrow to see what roster changes are made and how the backup goalie goes. Well, good. This know, is my... a good segue, roster stuff, because there's so many fascinating ways you can go about this, and I have some. Yeah. First off, now that Dupuis out and there's no more trickle-down effect, even if you do get a top-six winger, you you have Dupuis' salary cap money now, Yes. Yeah, so they could trade for someone if they wanted tomorrow. But, in my opinion, the reason a guy like Jason Magna has not been called up has been because they've been so close to the salary cap ceiling. So really, he should come up. He He, he just scored his ninth goal of the AHL season tonight. They don't have the time to bring him up, do they? I know Wilkes-Barre is just... Oh, I'm not talking for tomorrow. I'm uh, In general. Yeah, okay. All right, sorry. No, that's fine. Um... Can we not ever see Zach Sill again? Is this too much to ask? I know he was the Subway sandwich due to the game, whatever the hell that means. Did you did you see that as well? Okay. Yeah, look, almost every time Zach Sill gets on the ice, it's like Bob Airy has to mention him because it's like Bob Airy's got money on the fact that he's going to stay on the roster for the whole I don't. I don't, do not That's get it. That's their he's, job. It's... Their job is to be a homer broadcast, and they do the best job in the league at it. <laughs> You're right. If that's their job, they should be getting paid bonuses. Um, I, look, I agree with you, you and I both are on the same path with Sill and Adams. Look, unless Adams loses a, a head, um, I think he's playing until uh, until for until he leaves. I think he will be on the Penguins playoff roster. Unfortunately, Sill, on the other hand, I agree. He should. We should never see him again. Once you can bring. Someone else up um, who's uh, got some foot speed about them. You could do it tomorrow, uh, hypothetically. You could do it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, we know that won't happen. But yes, I, I agree. I agree with you. And Magnus seems to be the the likely roster player to come up purely because. Um, now, now, unlike some, some people have him pegged a little higher than I think he is. But all I'm looking out of him is to play on the fourth with, line and just not yeah. be Zach Sill or Craig Adams. I, hey, my look, standard if, is not high at all. <laughs> if you can put him in there, though, and have him uh, give Marcel Gok a, a little bit of hands on that fourth line, suddenly Gok's... Or speed. Um, at least speed, if nothing else. Become, his job becomes so much easier. Look, I'll, I'll give Syl this. He's not as slow as Craig Adams, but that's not a high bar. Yeah, it, Craig Adams isn't the freaking standard, though, for anything. At the moment, he is, though. I think he's the Penguin with the longest game streak consecutive. Not yet. Your boy Stahl. Still. No, 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 no. I mean with this current roster. Oh, by far, yes. 
Well, yeah, that, that's that's my point. You, you can't include Stall. One, he's busted at the moment, and two, he's on another roster. But yeah, I, like that—that's the—that's probably the, the biggest issue I have. I have at the moment is that it almost feels like he's going to stay in that lineup until he gets injured to break that line to to, to break that run. Or I don't. Well, that's it. That's the only reason he's he's going to to drop his spot in the roster. Which is retarded. It's absolutely ridiculous. So you do have legitimate dead weight on the Penguins' fourth line right now, with and, and they and they with they're probably they're... one of the best fourth line centers in the league because he's not a fourth line center. He's a third line center. Yeah, shifted. I, I I tell you what, that is a very very patient man playing right there right now, as far as I can tell. Good. good. I want. Do you think? If he knew what the line combos were going to be, he'd resign in Pittsburgh. No, I, no, I, I, I don't. Like, do you think I, when he signed the dotted line, he's like, yeah, 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 Sill and Adams, yeah, sign me up. This is great, good, I, good. And, unless, and you know what? I'll take only a mil. Unless, well, look, to, actually, okay, I put it to you this way: he could have got there and gone, "I'll take a mil because I know I'm on a team that could win a Stanley Cup, and I really want to win one." Um, and this team's deep enough to give me some he players that I can he play. You know, he could, he has other options that he probably yeah. could have gone to to accomplish something like that as well, though. Yeah, Penguins no, no, aren't I, the only team that can, you know, make a uh, run. And if he's coming in that cheap, a smart team would be wise to pick him up. No, don't get me wrong. I'm glad he's on the Penguins. Oh, he's just you. been you're on an island by himself this year. But I have some... Um, interesting ideas in the very short term until right. this eventual top six winger trade happens. Yeah. Real, off, real off your, uh, real off your. You're good with this stuff, actually. It's always fun to discuss these uh, interesting options of yours. So reel them off. We are, we are reuniting the Crosby Kunitz Hornquist line, and that has nothing Thanks. to do with um, my apprehension with Hornquist playing with Malkin. I think that combo that- can work. Um, it has more to do with the fact that that line was lights out. That's got a, it's more to do with that. Correct. Yeah, yeah. That's a known commodity, number one line. Yeah, run with it. I'm then going a little bit um, outside the box with the second line. I have Bennett on the left, Malkin in the middle, Sutter on the right wing. You want to? Yeah, well, okay. Why do you want to go Malkin in the middle and Sutter? Because I'd rather have Sutter in the middle. Or would you have Sutter take the face off so then switch him? Faceoffs are overrated for one. No, they're not. You're all, hang on a second. You're Mr. Puck possession. I don't think Mr. there's a correlation between the two, to be honest with you. Is there a way? Is there a way to? Is there a way to statistically work that out? I'm working on a project that's doing just that. Say that again. I'm working currently on a project that is doing just oh, that. Sorry, 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 sorry. Um, put it this way. Last year, the LA Kings were the number one possession team in the NHL. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that they were not good on faceoffs at all. Yeah, I just I, I want to clarify this. What's the definition of a faceoff win? It's the, that's the problem the I have. The they puck? they just treat it as the puck going towards whatever team side. But that doesn't really mean you've won the face-off no, if the winger not... beats out the guy yeah. three strides that's into a, the... 
question, particularly with this year, with the hash marks being slightly wider apart, there have been quite a lot of quite a lot of times so far this year where the puck has gone to a team's side of the dot, but the other players, because they're not stuck together with each other, the other player has actually jumped the puck and and won the team for the won the puck for the other team. So they're going to have to reorganise that definition. Or, or I'm assuming teams that take the advanced stats seriously would get their statistical people to do this themselves and work out their own who wins the face-off, who doesn't win the face-off stat. Because I want to know who has the puck three seconds after the face-off. That's yeah, who really yeah. wins it. That's the winner. That's exact, That's my opinion of it too. So um, I was wrong is, on L.A. They were good at face-offs. I just want to throw that out there. I just doubled that. Yeah, no. No, no, that's fine. And so no one, you... no one gets to beat me up on that. I've corrected myself. I'll let you go back to your, I'll let you go back to your face-off project thing later, and you'll give us the lowdown on that later. Well, on. my last point on the face-off thing. I don't think face-offs are overrated. Totally, I think the way that they judge them is wrong. The way they score them currently. And I don't like looking at face-off percentages that I don't believe in. So that's so, pretty much my argument. I think they need to kind of find a new way. I think well, that's like the NH- the NHL needs to come up with a subjective view on hits as well. Ah, hits, whatever. What are you going to do? No, with no, that no, 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 hits don't matter. Look, face-offs matter. Hits are whatever, but definitely face-offs. I agree with you in regards to how they're marked in regards to who wins and who loses. I fully appreciate that aspect as well. So. Back to your lines. If you want Sutter to take the Malkin face-offs, we're it good. It doesn't matter. We're good. Yeah. Um, yeah. God, what <laughs> then, you know, it's it's not the uh, sexiest third line in the league, but um, Como, Gotch, Downey. Gotch, you have them. You're in a pinch right now. Before you get some roster people, just slide him up. He's not going to drown. He's been playing with Sill and Adams all year. Como yeah. and Downey, it'll be like, he'll be thrilled. Um, I, I noticed that someone's dropped a couple of lines there that hasn't stuck to the third. Um, he'll let's center, get to he'll center the fourth. Yeah, well, he's supposed to be able to do it, so he might as well. Exactly. So Spalling will center my fourth line with Megna on the right wing or left wing. And I suppose, not by my choosing, but Adams will, I, I guess, be there. All right. So, so with your choosing, who would you put in as Adam's spot? Because you and I both don't want him there. So who would you put in from Wilkesbury? Because right now that's a full roster you've, you've listed out right there. Um, realistically... He's not going anywhere, so I don't really entertain that thought. I see you haven't even thought about it. Smart man, not wasting your time. Yeah, I guess. I I'll believe it when I see it. Mm. I don't know if it's no, one it's of just... the I don't know if it's one of these things if Craig Adams got like the worst stomach bug of all time and missed a game and lost his streak that they would just start not playing him. Uh, <laughs> maybe they're keeping him in for his little non meaningful streak. I'd like to know who he's got photos of that's allowing him to blackmail the entire Penguins 
organisation to keep him in the lineup. Look, admittedly, he's not been as bad this year as he was last year, but that's not a high bar. It's that whole... Isn't that good? You know, you can... I know. He's got, it's, he's got, I, he's got a third-line centre as a centre, and they just drown in possession every night. And I'm not putting that on Gotch, so... <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Should you be putting it on Gotch? He's not Jesus. That's funny. I just It's one of those things where I try to sit there and, and try to look at it from the other side of the coin and try to work out whether we're just being completely biased one way because you know you and I do think very similarly at times. But I'm, I'm struggling to come up with an argument. But to your point, a, I don't see a guy in Wilkes-Barre other than Magna that I would call up to play right yeah, now. Yeah, so he comes up, he replaces Silk, you've still got Adams. And once again, it's that whole trickle-down effect with the Dupuy injury. Yeah, it's if Dupuy gone. was still there and you call Magna up, now, now you lose Sill and Adams. Adams sits yeah, in the box. And that's 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 the difference there. I mean, they're really lucky they got better back when you think about it. I mean, he was supposed to be out for at least, from when he came back, at least another 10 days. So the fact he came back early, and there's a very good chance he's probably not 100%, is maybe a good thing for the Penguins that he can probably give you a little bit more than he is. So it's not it's not too bad. It's not too bad an issue. So the, the loss of Dupuy hurts in a lot of ways. There's a lot of fans that, don't want him on the on the top line, and that's fine. I'm I think fine everyone, with him, yeah, him being a third line in the top six. In the but you have to look at it like big picture. They're trying to yeah. win the Stanley Cup. They are eventually going to trade for a top six winger. I felt this way before the injury. They're yeah. certainly doing it now, but but even if he was healthy, like if you have Dupuy on your third line. You're doing pretty damn good. You've got a 2009 Penguins squad. He's on the fourth line. Well, there you go. You was too because you had that stall cook and missed the net Kennedy line. Yeah. Um, then it was um, Dupuy, Shatan, Adams. <laughs> Quite a mishmash, but. Adam was the fourth line center, and that was five years ago, basically. Um, hang on, we're going for the 2015 Stanley Cup, aren't we? They are. That's, that's six years ago. Yeah. It's been a while. That's, yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of playoff years thrown in the garbage. There were a couple that were, were injury-related, and there was one that was goaltender-related. There that's were three. three or four goaltender-related. Oh, look, I'll defend him more than that, but we're not going to go over that topic. Um, I got a chart in a book that doesn't look so good <laughs> for Mr. Flurry. I don't this book of yours. I'm glad we're in different countries. I don't need to see this stuff, and don't email it to me. Um, I could get you the digital I, copy. No, I don't want the digital copy. Um, <laughs> the, the roster stuff... I have to admit, I'm pretty cozy with what you've gone for a roster idea. It's it's interesting that you've been you're ballsy enough to get there and go screw it. Gotch is a third line center. Put him in a third line center. Let's use Sutter in his 
he played well as a second-line centre when Malcolm was on the wing. So why not put him up there and try and get the most out of what he can produce? Sid and Gino have had to be babysitters for so long. Yeah, why not help him out? Not not both at the same time always, but it's been flip-flopped. I mean, they they seem to always be responsible for propping somebody else up that just doesn't need to be there. Um, I would argue Malkin a lot more than than Sid over throughout the years. Help them out. Let them be them. (laughs) Does this, going through this particular argument, does this not just show you how ridiculously good Mario Lemieux was in regards to Warren Young? Well, it's tough to say because that era was a lot more wide open. No, no, I appreciate that argument. I appreciate that. It's just... Mario's my, my number one all-time player. Um, well, yeah, I'm in the same boat. Uh, it, it's just things where we appreciate how ridiculously good Sidney Crosby is, right? Yes. Not that either you and I have tried to ever say that he's as good as Mario, but it just shows you, I, I think, for me, the step ahead Lemieux is compared to the brilliant players in, in the common era. Now, that's all. It's just one of those things where it just puts it into perspective because we're trying to find a way to not waste away the Crosby and Malkin years, yet when you watch Lemieux, you could technically say some of his prime years were wasted away with far lesser talent. Imagine what he could have done if he'd had that talent. That's all. It's just trying to find a comparison. Different, a lot of different aspects at play. No, yeah. no salary cap. Free agency was uh, not quite what it is now, He's, and it. Oh, I, know I think he did okay. Did you see? He did okay. Yeah, he, yes. he was good. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We'll have a Mario podcast sometime. That'll be fun. We should, we should, yeah, we should do that and put all the YouTube clips up as well when we do it. Okay, just wait on that because that's going to take a bit of time <laughs> to put that together. So one outside of talking about the the bottom pairing, we we haven't talked much about quite an impressive top four defense for Pittsburgh. Who would be your preferable top four? The players. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear cut: Latang, Martin, Erhoff, Mata. No, see, I'd rather Marta with Latang. Oh, I, oh like, no, no. I, I thought you meant who the four were, not the no, actual I, pairings. Sorry, I meant the particular pairing. Sorry. Um, honestly, I'm not too particular. I think Latang Martin's awesome, and I think Latang Mata's awesome. Pick one, roll with it, whatever. You, you're exactly right with what you said. Then the thing that doesn't work, though, and I, I think your pairings might be better, is that I don't think Martin and Erhoff work. They looked really clunky before they had to make the changes because of, of, of Marta refusing to be superhuman and actually having cancer. Um, that the They were in a different Erhoff, role, though. No, no, no. I, look, to be honest, they I They were burying think, them. Yeah, I actually think tonight's game was Erhoff's best. He was unreal. All the little tiny things that you see Martin do, Erhoff did tonight, it was almost like he knew he was babysitting Marta. He was awesome. He was really, really good. Um, he still, you know what? One of the arguments I heard before he got to Pittsburgh was he can't hit the net. 
I'm starting to agree with that argument. He yes. might have a bullet of a shot, but he needs to hit the net. Well, at least okay. near enough, he takes a hit off. Here's 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 my counterpoint to that. Here's what you don't want to happen at the point. You do not, do not, do not want that um, first tier that's right close by where you're taking the shot from to be the tier that blocks it. And I think a lot of times he's just doing a good job of getting it through that first wave. Yep. And then you get it through there, and we've already talked about this. Random chance, tips, lucky bounces, whatever. I'd rather him get it through that first tier and then whatever the hell happens after that. Now, don't get me wrong. I agree. There are a lot of shots where you see him and and it hits the glass or or goes wide or whatever. But I, I tend to be a a person that would, I can live with that as long as it's not going off the shin pad off the, the winger up top blocking his shot. Because nothing can happen out of that. I can agree. I can agree. Agree with that argument. I just, I haven't seen. There have been times where, and this is where it's it's tough. When obviously I only get to watch the games on, on TV and the broadcast. I would love to see a broadcast game, uh, north south rather than east west. It'll never happen. But I just think you'd actually get to see a hell of a lot more of what goes on. I don't know. I think uh, uh, Roger Sportsnet up in Canada, the uh, their center ice package or i'm sorry the game center they have a lot of interesting camera angles well i want that north south. i want that NHL. i don't know if that's one of them but i know they're doing a um some interesting camera stuff now i, I want that ea sports north south camera angle i actually think you would see a lot more i think that sports vu stuff that's going to be coming out will do a lot with that well that'd be great because Look, obviously I've crucified Erhoff a little bit there in regards to not hitting the net, and it's mainly because there have been times where he has had 15 feet, 20 feet of space to shoot the puck and has wound up to do it and has decided not to. So the theory being he's not going to get that puck through, doesn't want obviously to shoot the puck at the rate he does and have it bounce off and go the other way. So Because he, he's, not, he's not that fleet of foot when it comes to going from no more, no more than Martin. No, no, but that, that's that's my point. He works out. He knows what his limitations are. And so I'm, I'm assuming then that he's not shooting that puck because he knows that if it gets blocked, well, he's screwed. He's not going to make it back the other way. Yeah, not many guys are Latang in that regard. Yeah, no, well, he's, he is very blessed, let's be honest. I mean, even Marta plays the, the same way as the, the two aforementioned demon. He works out what he can and can't do in a particular situation and plays within those constraints. Whereas Latang just does what Latang does and then goes, oh, I can still make it up because I'm quick enough to do it. Um, it does burn him, and, and that's fine, but I'll, I'll take the few occasions that that happens for the bonuses you get on the other end with, with what Latang can do. So that's probably my only my, my only complaint with, with Erhoff is he the, the argument that he doesn't hit the net, he doesn't, but the point you made about why he doesn't, you'd probably rather have the puck in the corner than you would going the other way past the blue line. So that's fair enough. But, he, but to your original point, how this all started, um, he's starting to play better. I think, yeah, I think tonight's game was his best game. And and let's be honest, he's in his first 18 games with the new team. so And not having everything dumped on him as well. 
There were uh, and actually, and he's got a new kid. Oh, that's he has two, hasn't he? He's just a new dad. So yeah, he he's got the it's not a new dad. To... I think he's got like five kids, but he's got a newborn. And let me tell you, <laughs> I don't Germans, care how many kids you got. You got a newborn. You got your hands full. Those Germans obviously don't believe in contraception. Jesus. Um, <laughs> There's a hundred things I could say there, but I don't think they're appropriate. Um, it's one of those things that you, you can actually – there were a few occasions in tonight's game where you'd go get the puck. Just The puck was probably six or seven feet outside, inside the blue line, and he went the conservative route. He went, no, 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 and he backed back rather than go for it, which was really funny because he actually had Marta with him who was already backtracking – he was already behind Erhoff to cover him in case he didn't get to the puck first. And he already had the, 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 the high winger was already coming back for him as well. So you can tell that he hasn't got out of that habit of, holy crap, I'm about to get schooled here by whoever it is coming out with the puck. So I have a feeling that his attitude will change because... Well, or he, he could be Bortuzzo and step up and miss. No, but that, that's what I mean. That's, that's the thing. He plays within his constraints. He understands who he is as a player and goes, I'm better off backing. The Penguins got the puck back straight away, but the entire, like the all five on the ice had to clear the zone, whereas he had, he had the reach. All he had to have was the confidence in his teammates behind him, around him, to cover him in case he blew it. And coming from a Buffalo squad last year that wasn't particularly great at that sort of stuff, you kind of can't blame him from having an ingrained habit. They weren't I think good. by the time we get paid, they weren't good. No, and I think by the time we get to the end of the year, he he will be past that, and I think we'll, we'll see an explosion of points towards the last fifteen. 15 uh, he'll have to see some power play time. Hmm. I think more on the go. He'll get a lot of secondary assists. It'll be things where he keeps the puck in the zone. Malkin or Crosby will take it, do something with it. Someone else will score. He'll get a lot of secondary assists that way. Well, he got a secondary one when he passed the puck to Malkin three feet away and he skated it through the neutral zone and gave it to Hornquist for that, that nice play. That's a prime example. So a prime example. He needs, he needs to be given a little bit of a leash, Malkin. You can tell at the moment I think that he's trying to play within a construct that I don't think he's particularly – comfortable with yet he'll get he'll get inside and he'll be fine but um you can tell when he gets the puck low down in the defensive zone and he gets to wind up he looks like he's having fun yeah as always he's one of the best at that well it's he just needs a new left winger he needs a left winger with hands and that's not having a crack at who's currently Actually, it's spoiling. It is having a crack at who is the left wing. It's not um, just that. It's whatever. Most vanilla player ever. Do we want to go into that conversation? No, or do we want it's, to just no, it's, no. <laughs> he's just a vanilla player. He's in, he's in position and does nothing with it. That's all you need to know about him. Yeah, I know he scored tonight. Don't You know what? Chris Thorburn scored a goal playing on Malkin's line. You know why? Because... If you play on Malkin's line long enough, you'll score a goddamn goal. Uh, I, I, look, you're not going to... Hey, believe it or not, we actually got a question for the podcast. Oh, wonderful. I know. Do you want me to read it out? Yes. 
Okay. The question is, how will they adjust to tough slash hard forechecking teams like the Isles, apparently the Jets? Um, and is there a potential top top? Who's the potential top six winger for a trade? Who would we who would we like oh, for a trade? Okay. And that came from Kant underscore er. Well. Well, well, I'll try and tackle the first part, and then that second part could be its own podcast in its own yes, right. No, I, agree, I agree with that. So we'll go first part. I just wanted to get the whole thing out there to begin with, and we'll go from there. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. You go. You go first for the first part. How will I hang you? Hang me out to dry? Well, okay. All right. Um. All right. I actually think tonight's a really good example of how how they can slash can't handle uh, more aggressive forechecking teams. Um, I, from what I witnessed tonight, if they do not have a confident, not competent, but a confident puck moving defenseman on each of the three defensive pairings, they're screwed. Because you saw what happened tonight in regards to Scuderi and Bortuzzo, they got trapped in the zone time after time after time. And if, if you have a look every time, um, uh, I think Johnson worked that out really, really quickly and made sure that every time the bottom pairing was out, he at least had Crosby or Malkin on the ice with them. He made sure that he had someone that can carry the puck out of the zone on their own. And as we discussed earlier in the podcast, um, Scuderi get bailed out most of the time from um, – Dupre. And it's not that Dupre's fleet of foot. It's just the fact that he can think quick and he hits a pass on the tape 90% of the time. So that's how they can get the puck out of the zone quickly. Neither Bortuzzo or Scuderi can do that. So for Pittsburgh to be able to handle that quick forecheck, the change of system that Johnson's already implemented in regards to the center gets so low to the zone. You already said yourself that um, that three-foot pass Erhoff to Malkin created Erhoff an assist. That was well, more on good. transition, though, than a, than a classic breakout. No, 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 I, I agree. But there were a lot of times in transition where there was no transition for the Penguins because they would normally transition out because the defenseman could make the short pass or at least create space to allow a forward to come down and help them out. That bottom two pairing today, tonight, couldn't do it. So that's sort of where I think that their biggest change is that that drop of the the center to come down and help and the fact that they've had a puck moving defenseman on all three lines so they haven't they haven't neutered um tang by having skidari with him johnson's got there and gone let's just put all our strengths together and they've done that. You could put any of those top four together, and they're going to succeed. I think. Yeah, whatever combo you want to do there, that's not we, you're I not going to find a real bad one. They're all good no, players. I think we both agree on that. But I think that bottom pairing is is the biggest thing. I asked you on Twitter in regards to that. Uh, it was either today or, or, or yesterday. It might have been today. I don't know what the time is over there now. Um, and. You reckon Harrington or Pouliot should probably take that spot of Scuderi, but whether or not that happens, you know, I'd be more than happy to have Despray. I think they're I think they're both better than him right now. Yes, yeah. I, I do believe now, that. You did say you think that Despray will get traded. He could be a part of the trade for that top six winger. Who's that? Would you? I like you. You said you think 
does the spray could get traded at some point. I do. And I'm assuming that would be a part of a trade for a top six swinger. What else? Maybe not an established one. Is you think that would be a part of the Ty Ratty sort of type trade that you've you've bought up before? Something similar to that, maybe Penguins add a little bit, but yeah, you get what I'm saying. I kind of do, but if you're going, we'll use the name I just used purely because it's the one name that I could remember. If you get there with Tyratty and Desprey, you've got an NHL-ready defender, but you've got a uh, non-NHL forward. Yeah, but you've, you've got NHL-ready guys behind Desprey. You have to play to your oh, strengths. I, I agree with. Oh, no, no, I agree with that. So you trade him if you're a Penguins, if you're a Penguins GM. But I'm not looking own... to push him out the door, but you got to give to get. No, I agree. And he has own... an NHL sample size, which a lot of GMs like. Yeah, so do you only ask for Ty Ratty back in that situation? Yeah, like, <laughs> hey, I wrote about it. I like the idea of Ty Ratty. Um, I, I agree, but I would suggest that a player with NHL sample size... Well, then you go the a, Brian Dumoulin route there. All right, no, no. It's, it's, this, is, this, is why I'm asking, this is why I'm asking the question. The thing, the, the, the thing is that I'd really like to see... Um, I'd rather see in that trade sequence, not that it would happen for Ty Ratty, I would rather see Bortuzzo move, but then, as you said, you've got to give to get, and they would rather have Desprey than Well, Bortuzzo. here's, here's think, the thing. I think the Penguins could do um, two separate top six kind of trades. One, a Ty Ratty kind of Brian Dumoulin-ish deal where you're trading yeah. future for future and maybe either of them could jump up and help this year. You're, you're both trading from strengths. And then yep. maybe the Penguins go a little bit more aggressive and, and do the classic top six trade for someone established. Okay, give me an example. Okay, so now we're bleeding into the um, next question that uh, yep. the person had. Uh, yes, and this is where it gets hard. This is why I got you to lead with this one. Okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> not that I think these are player like this is just off the top of my head. Situations with guys that fit this description. Yuri uh, yep. Tulusti of Carolina, for example. Yep. Carolina stinks. They're not going anywhere. They're Connor McDavid territory. Um, I want to say that. Tulusti is up for a contract. Yeah. He is. He's an unrestricted free agent. So there you go. Yeah. That that kind of player. Um, am I saying for them to go get him specifically? No, but I'm just trying to paint the picture of... You're trying to come up with an example. Yeah, I get, I get what you mean. Um, maybe Blue Jackets are a team to keep your eye on. If they continue to stink, which... I had them picked as a very good team this year, and I don't think anybody could have predicted the injuries that they've gone through. No. So, Nick Foligno, unrestricted free agent. Now, the only only issue I've got with both of these guys is that who are you willing to give up for UFAs that can walk? Well, that depends on the market, I suppose. We watched Marion Gabrick get traded for nothing. Thomas Vanek for second-round pick. I mean, 
Because, you know, a lot of Penguins fans have suggested that Paul Martin's the guy that you, you give up. I'm off his... that train. Just no, leave, I... Just leave Paul. He's great. I just, I'm just saying because he's a UFA himself, that's one of the things. A lot of people have made the suggestion that you don't want him, you don't want to let him walk for nothing. But well, I was also as, under the impression that he was close-minded to an extension. So, um, but per- you've you've learned otherwise, haven't you? That he's okay with the idea. Um, I, th- I think in just the Pittsburgh Tribune that the agent said they were open to conversation, which. You know, that's agent speak. I don't know how true that is. Um, yeah. Paul Martin's right, awesome. Them, little, them, <laughs> the, the problem with trading Paul Martin is you no longer have Paul Martin. Yes. No, no, I know. Look, you don't have to convince me, and I think everyone that listens to this podcast knows your opinion of Paul Martin. We both think he's awesome. Um, I'm trying to think of some other... Yeah, see, that's that, and that's where that's where it comes. That's where it becomes. If you want to get into the blockbuster style trades, let's see what the sharks are up to. You got to give to get. That's the the hard part. That's that's where it starts to become difficult. I think the sharks are an interesting team to watch. They don't seem to be making terrific decisions this year. Well, the demos for Dylan plus um, salary and a pick is an interesting decision. Yeah, but um, you know, if they're out of a playoff spot, they may overreact and move a guy like Marlowe. Well, he's the first guy that you, you think of in regards to them moving someone. But he last, seems to be- that's we're a long ways away from that. Yeah, true, very true. And if we're going to talk about things that we're a long ways away from, there's there's a team that's eight, nine, and two right now. Fifth in the Metropolitan Division, um, out of New Jersey, and they got a right winger that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go back. Oh me. yeah, I am. <laughs> well, I think I think almost I think most I might say all because a lot of there are a few Penguins fans that are still bitter on the boy, but uh, I think a lot of Penguins fans would love the idea of him coming back and winning a cup with him on the roster. I. But there are pretty good arguments against him coming back because he seems to run out of gas come playoff time where it matters. Yeah. But you're still going to ride that bus, aren't you? Yes. Childhood childhood Ryan is not going to get off this bus. I'll I'll, I'll ride it with you too. I'm fully on board. But, (laughs) you know, to be honest, he can still play. I didn't. I didn't say he couldn't. I just don't know whether he can do it where it ma- when it matters because he's out of gas. Well, we, we play Craig Adams and Zach Sill on a nightly basis. How much fuels have they ever had in their tank? Oh, look, their 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 tanks are full because they only play four minutes a game. I think you still. You actually, you make a really good point. You could play them on a fourth line. You're still better off. I think some of the problem is that he wants ice time. And if you don't give it to him, he gets pouty. If you could play him on a fourth line and have him dominate as a fourth line freaking winger and put him on the power play, then I think whatever team can manage that can convince him to do that, I think you you win. If, if, if Jersey fall out, they'll trade him out of respect more than anything else. 
Yeah, I um, I agree. It, obviously, New Jersey will have to be out of the playoff picture. Um, normally, you don't see the trades going interdivision like that. But no, that's I think there's a respect factor with Yager, and if, if he kind of was like, yeah, I'm, I'm open to that, it would be more along the lines of, all right, I'm doing this guy the favor. Now, the, the trouble for the Penguins is you've got to trade something back to an in-division rival. What do you have to give up? What are you willing to give up to go get him back? You're not going to give Pouliot up for the obvious reasons. No, he's going to be great. Yeah, exactly. And I actually agree with you. I actually think he'll be bottom pair and come playoff time. You know, Dumoulin in a second, whatever. <laughs> Listen to you. Just just whatever. Get him back here. <laughs> I know. I don't. Here's the problem. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a huge fan of coming up with super spe- specific trade proposals because you're going to be wrong. Of course we are. We know we are. I mean, I'm, I think I'm in the ballpark with value at times, but like, it's not easy. No, the, the thing that I the thing that I do like is that you were on the Airhoff bandwagon way before that actually happened. I, I don't know, I way be... before he got put on waivers. I wrote an article twenty minutes later, and then like hours later, they, they signed him. Yeah, I, that's the thing that I found. I was ahead yeah. of it, though. I will say. No, that. no, I, I agree. So, as far as I'm concerned, out of all the people I know that ride on hockey, and this includes the people that get um, paid professionally on websites and newspapers and stuff. You're my insider. You're that dude. <laughs> and that says a lot about about the rumor mill and – because you don't do this professionally. You do it offhand. That's the thing that I find hilarious about the insiders and the beat writers and all that sort of stuff. They've, they've barely got any more of an idea and an inkling, and they've got connections. You know what I mean? So I just it comes to look down at to, it from a logic standpoint and correct. I just go from Come, there. That's exactly what it comes from. It I'm wrong from, on stuff. Who isn't? Yeah, but you don't, you don't sit there like a politician and try and say you never said it. You know, you're more than happy to own up to the fact that you, you got it wrong. And, and most people aren't exactly going to you to be right. They're going to you for your opinion. That's the thing that, that's great about this stuff is that that's, that's what it's about. It's just our opinions. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, one, one thing that did come out of today's game is Mr. Johnny Boychuk was not ah, particularly. I was going to just segue to that. You're you're the man. Good Let's job. Let's not get too carried away. Um, that was terrible. Yeah. I I know that he was pissed in regards to what our wonderful wonderful guy. I wish we hadn't signed, but he's actually fitting in quite well on the third line. Um, Steve Downey has decided he wanted to go and do to him. But Boychuk knows better than that. Boychuk knows better than to throw out a knee with his stick down. That's just – that's season-ending, career-diminishing sort of hit. He's, he's really, really lucky. He's going in. The puck is nowhere to be found. He's absolutely coherent with what he's doing. I love he that. sticks his him. knee out. He makes contact. It okay. Nothing about that play is what 
you want to see in the sport of hockey. Yes? I I agree. So, I agree. what's the argument here? There should be con- there wasn't even a minor penalty on it. There are, look, the argument that you can run from if you try to look at it from the other side of the field. So you look at it from an Islanders point of view. It was retribution for what Downey tried to do to Boychuk. So is is the issue there was no penalty on a play that, to be honest, I actually thought Downey should have got a, a penalty, at least for roughing. So is the retribution play by Boychuk um, caused by the fact that the officials – in the first period, no. decided to not, not call anything. No. Because Erhoff, there was a stage where Erhoff just jumped, I can't even remember who the forward was, jumped in front of a forecheck, and I mean jumped in front of, it might have been Matt Martin, and, he, and the forecheck just jumped Erhoff. So really, it should have been interference and holding all at once, and the officials just went, oh, those two penalties negate each other, let's not call it. So they basically just went, screw it. Anything is free reign for the game for 60 minutes. And for two teams that absolutely hate each other and have a terrible past, I think that was a bad decision. And they're lucky that there weren't worse things that happened in the game. You're going to disagree. No, no, I don't disagree with that. I, I'm saying you. I'm saying that he did it for different reasons. Because he knows there's okay. no consequences. The suspension system's a fraud. No, ignore ignore the suspension. Ignore the suspension part. He wasn't even worried about getting a penalty. He sure as hell would be worried about a suspension if it was ten games long. If they handed those out like they should. Well, I've got a suspension article pending this podcast. You know what I'm saying? If he knew he was getting dinged, regardless (laughs) of if Melkin got up or not, he does not do that. This is on the league not doing their job. This is where you get these scenarios. If Boychuk knew he'd get dinged for 10 games for such nonsense like that, guess who doesn't do that? And that doesn't even rely, that doesn't even rely on a penalty. That just relies on the league watching the Department of Player Safety watching a replay, having a look at what he did, and going, there was he had one intention and one intention only, and that was to injure Malkin. Wasn't to hurt him. He had every intent on going for his knee and trying to blow it out, and that's all because he was pissed at Downey doing whatever what Downey did to him. So, I I, I fully appreciate where Boychuk's coming from. However, you should not with intent, go out of your way to try and injure a player. He stuck, he changed his angle of his knee, the puck's nowhere to be found, and he's looking at Malkin. There's there's literally no argument to say that it was an accident. No, 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 and that's that's my problem. Like in my in my article, I say he's got intent to injure. You could I could have an argument to say it's predatory because Malkin had no idea he was about to get hit. Like, there's no reason for, for Malcolm to actually expect to get hit, considering where they're both, well, where he's looking for the puck. The puck's in the other corner. If you want me to open up a whole can of worms, I could. We'll do it. <laughs> Why not? Hey, the, the Penguins got Zach Sill and Steve Downey. They're a deterrent. No, Steve no. Downey's hit is actually what accelerated this process. You, you want to open that can of worms? No, I'm I, all, I'm, I'm, that's all I'm, I'm saying on that. You want to get into that stuff. That's I'm, a deterrent. I'm, yeah, okay. Yeah. Whatever and, and you, Whatever you it, say. 
and I it's and I know you and I have discussed this a couple of times. I listen to um, Hockey Central at noon because it's one of the few places that I can actually get. God bless you for putting up with it. I look. I don't. I don't mind it because it's just. It's just pure hockey. I. I. Sh- if you can. If you can email me through. Is that the one with Doug McLean? He's on it a fair bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and 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 you've made your opinion very clear on him, and I agree with it. But I deliberately go out of my way to listen to people that I don't agree with. Because oh, I, like, I respect that. Yes, of course. I like to try. That's why people listen to our podcast. True. I like to try and understand. That's a good point, actually. I like to try and understand where they're coming from and why they think the way they do, just to see if there's something I've missed and go, oh, okay, fair enough. But Jesus Christ, the whole deterrent, the whole and Don Cherry's a prime exponent of this. Having guys out there that can beat the crap out of each other does not stop people from trying to take out other people's knees because. It's not a deterrent because someone else on the other team will stick up for him. There is no way Johnny Boychuk would have got into a fight with George LaRock. And there's absolutely no way in hell that George LaRock would have stopped Johnny Boychuk from doing that. And I only use him because I think he was the last real deterrent maker that the Penguins had. You can tell me I'm wrong. I just, he's the last Maybe one. Maybe Goddard or whatever. He was Goddard after LaRock. I think so. Well, there you go. Either way... It's the same Boy- point. Boychuk still would have done what he did because they wouldn't have been on the ice at the same James time. James Neal still need Brad Marchand in the head with Sean Thornton out there. Yeah, that's a very good point. Although Sean Thornton did destroy Brooks Orpik's career with that. Yeah, in hindsight. He did because Orpik was never... He was having... He, he was having... Wouldn't say a career year, but he was having a comeback year after those... Uh, two hernia operations. Or pick was never the same after that. Oh. And Thornton got what ten games. Admittedly, Or pick can't really complain. He got paid how much by the Caps? A lot. Yeah, and I think we can all agree it was too much. Um, yeah. So, I in my article, I, I get there and I, I think it, it's it's ten games. According to the the the, um, the spreadsheet um, for Boychuk, and you'd think that something like that would be enough for Boychuk to think, "Shit, I won't do that again." I agree, because... but but nothing will happen of it. I oh, no, that's the thing. It's it's one of those things where you're I now. Yeah, now I don't. I don't. Obviously, we neither of us want who the act happens to to have any say in the amount of penalty. Like the fact that it's Malkin should have nothing to do with it. Well, but if you are the I, league and you're selling an entertainment product, yeah. it's like, do we really want this guy out for that? Well, not, not after the way he played for the 40 minutes. Like he, he wasn't particularly fantastic in the first 20, but the, the 40 minutes onwards after that first period, he was fantastic. He, Every time he was on the ice, you knew he was out there. I mean, the 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 five minute overtime, he mishandled the puck in a few situations that you sort of hoped he he wouldn't, because he was in prime scoring position or at least in a situation where he could have set up something and he would just lose the handle. So 
you kind of hope that he wasn't bothered by whatever happened against uh, with him and Boychuk. So we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll know in the next, you know, 16 hours or, or whatever whether he's okay or not. But, yeah, the, the league needs to protect its star players. I, I think I've said this before. They need to protect no. Can I interrupt you? Go for it. The league needs to protect its players. Period. And I was I was only going to say it needs to protect its star players. It's the only league in the state that does not. And I agree with you more than my statement. But it is the only league that does not protect the star players. And I do not care about those people that sit there and want to say that Crosby's a protected product and all this sort of crap. That's not the case. He gets hacked and slashed. The whole Conor McDavid thing in regards to him fighting because he got sick of being hacked and slashed, that's the officials not calling penalties on the fact he gets hacked and slashed because they see so many of them they could call, they decide not to call them. Yep. That's not David's fault. That's the league's fault for not telling the officials, call what you see, not what you think we want to see. Sorry the guy's trained and worked so hard and creates positive just, situations for himself. And he's just so skilled that the other players can't keep up with him. That's not his fault. Don't... Don't penalize yeah. success. Correct. That's right. And, and look, you can run that same argument with the draft. Don't penalize success. Why does the team that win the cup get the 30th pick? But that's a whole other podcast. But yeah, I don't understand why players that are better than everyone else um, have to put up with being hacked and whacked more than other people. They shouldn't have to, to deal with that more often. No. Nope. And it's just, it, it baffles me. You, you see it with guys like Patrick Kane. He gets hacked and whacked so much. And you want to see him do what he does with his hands. He makes people look like pylons, and it's fantastic to see. Claude Giroux does it. It's not that I want to sit there and look at this purely from a Penguins point of view. You want to see the best players in the league show us how good they are. And everyone's goals against average should go up if that's the case. Who cares? You don't want the goals against average. You don't want anyone's any goalie's uh, statistics to compare between 98 and 2005. You don't want anyone's stats to get anywhere near that ever again. Nope. Crappy hockey, shitty hockey, perfect for goalies. You don't want anyone's numbers to get anywhere near Brodeur's, and I don't care what Marty Brodeur tries to say. He was helped by the fact that the league just let it happen. On the team that was best at doing what that was. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No one wants that. But we have our complaints, but I don't think it'll ever get to that point. No, that's... No. Hopefully. Is there anything I might have missed? No. No, I, th- I think I think we're good. Look, I, I think the biggest thing for me with tomorrow's game for the Penguins is they set out their roster this way. They got to have a look at it. They lost. <laughs> to pray and for Bertuzzo is the change. Well, that that's the that's the tick. But to be honest, the big tick 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 would be to pray in for Scuderi, which no, might happen. Well, let's let's stick in the realm of reality. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, yes, that that would be the the the, the switch, and then the un, the other unrealistic one would be 
let's drive Menger up from Wilkesbury and, and put him in for Sill, that, that that won't happen either. So um, I'd rather play 7D and have Sill sit. How about that? Yeah, that won't happen either. But it's it's one of those things where at least at least with this coaching staff, it seems more likely that they're going to try and change what they're doing. That's all. Because last year, you knew exactly what you were going to get every game. There wasn't a question of, oh, they might do this, they might do that. As fans, you might talk about, oh, if they did this, if they did that. But at least at least with this coaching staff, they look prepared to, to change and all that sort of stuff. And who knows? They might give that, they might give that Scuderi, Watuzo the benefit of the doubt and play him again tomorrow. And that's fine. I, I, I am kind of okay with that. Because you get to have a look at them in a situation. It's almost the exact same situation. You get to have a look at them after a game, two games against the same team. You can evaluate it. You you actually get an evaluation in a situation where you can put them where you want, and then you can't put them where you want in regards to line changes. And then you get to have a look and see how they handle it. But you know, but can games down the- fool around a little bit more with not the team that you're. That's going to be chasing you, you know. Oh, I, that's that's a that's a fair point. But this is a perfect time to do it, though. That's all. It's it's two games against the same team. It's it's brilliant scientifically. It's a brilliant way to um. It's a you've you've got the same baseline. It's brilliant. It's perfect for it. If if I was if I was training a bunch of guys, this is the perfect way to go to go about doing it. So. I don't blame them for keeping it exactly the same way if they decide to do that. Okay. To be honest, I, 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 if they keep the, if they keep the exact same lineup, um, I've got no arguments with that at all. Oh, for crying out loud! It's never, it's never, never good when your fiance keeps trying to call you in the middle of a hockey conversation. <laughs> That's all right. We're we're. We've ex- we've exhausted the topics, so. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna bail straight away. Okay. Um, and and we'll, we'll we'll catch up again on on Monday slash Sunday. I'll catch you later, guys. Alrighty. So, That'll do. It.